Wonderful. How many of you brought your Bible this morning? Would you hold up the Word of God all over the building this morning? And I want to ask you to join me, if you will, to, in the book of Mark, chapter number 7 this morning, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. And if you have an old Schofield Bible, that's page number 1054. 1054, the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 7. And I want to read some verses there uh, in just a moment. Again, thank you so much for being with us on this Sunday. And uh, we welcome you to Woodland. If you're here visiting with us today, I hope you understand that at, at our church, you're not just welcome, you're wanted. And I hope you feel that by the time you leave today. And I trust God will help us as we look to Him this morning from the Word of God. Mark chapter 7, 1054, if you have an old Schofield Bible, all right? Now, don't forget the service this afternoon at 530. Of course, the prayer room's at 505. Boy, we need to pray, don't we? We really do. And I'd like to encourage you to be here for prayer room this afternoon. There's a lot going on and just a lot to pray about. And so I hope you'll be here for that and in our service at 530, all right? The Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. As of 1030 this morning, now it's 1032 now, but as of 1030 this morning, we are barely 274 hours and 30 minutes into this brand new year. So, I mean, really, we're just getting good and started. Today is January the 12th. And I'd like to ask you, how are you doing on your New Year's resolutions? How are you doing? Are they, have they already just fallen by the wayside? Or are you still doing pretty good up to this point? You know, ordinarily, one of the more popular resolutions that we make around New Year's is one regarding either how we eat or how much we eat. That's one of the more popular resolutions around this time of the year. You know, a lot of us set out at the start of the new year, we want to lose weight. We want to eat healthier, and we want to lose weight. My idea of eating healthier is cut down from a double cheeseburger to a McDouble and save a piece of cheese. That's 80 calories. That's right. But a lot of people resolve to lose weight. Maybe you're like the lady who wrote these words. "'Twas the week after Christmas and all through the house. Nothing would fit me, not even a blouse. The cookies I nibbled, the eggnog I'd taste, had slipped right down and gone to my waist. When I got on the scales, there arose such a number. I walked to the store, less a walk, more a lumber. Uh, so I won't have hot biscuits or cornbread or pie. I'll munch on a, quiet, a carrot and quietly cry, unable to giggle, unable to riot. Happy New Year to all and to all a good diet. <laughs> Is that your resolutions this year? You know, the only problem with New Year's resolutions is all too soon we let our resolve dissolve. Somebody else once said this, you know, New Year's resolutions have the shelf life of a, of a quart of ice cream left in your trunk on a hot August day. They just don't last very long. Somebody else says New Year's resolutions like crying babies in the church. They have to be carried out to be good. So we need, I think, all of us in here, once again, sense the need for some changes in our lives. But there's some people sitting in this room today whose resolutions go much deeper than that of just losing weight or eating better. You see, there are some people sitting in this room today, and what you need to, resi need to resolve to do is to have a brand new life. You see, because your life has gotten off track. You know, maybe I'm speaking to somebody sitting here this morning, and you have made some bad decisions 
in your life. And maybe because of some of the choices that you made, your life has gotten out of control. Your life is nothing more than just one big old mess. And what you need more than anything as we start out a brand new year is you need a new start, a brand new start. You need a do-over. You need a mulligan. You need a clean slate. Is there anybody in here this morning that would like to start over again? Don't you wish somehow you could turn back the hands of time and go back four, five, six, seven, eight years, ten years, twenty years, and just kind of do some things differently, and maybe you'd be sitting in a different place in your life at this point. You need a brand new start. I read about this one man who had recently retired from his job. Well, after he retired, one of the things he got in the daily habit of doing was reading the local newspaper every morning. Now, it was one of those small-town local newspapers, you know, and it had things like the, the, the news that had happened overnight and the births that had come to various families. And then it had a column in there called the obituaries. Well, one morning, this man rushed right out to the driveway, brought his newspaper in, sat down with a cup of coffee, and as he grabbed his newspaper and started drinking his coffee, he came to the obituaries, and to his shock and to his surprise, his name was mentioned in the obituaries. He couldn't believe it. I mean, there it was in no uncertain terms that he had died. That's right. So I'm telling you, he called the editor of that newspaper, and I mean he let him have it. In no uncertain terms, he wrung him out. And then he asked the, the editor, he said, Now, how are we going to correct this? How are we going to make this right? The editor said, Now, let me think about it, and I'll call you back. And sure enough, in just a few minutes... He called him back, and he said, I think I've got this thing figured out. He said, now this morning we accidentally placed your name in the obituary column of, of the paper signifying you were dead, but here's what I'm going to do in the morning. In the morning, I'm going to take your name and place it in the birth column, and that'll give you a brand new start. Now, don't you wish it was that easy to get a brand new start? Don't you wish you could call the editor of the Winston-Salem Journal and say, hey, would you place my name in this part of the paper in the morning? I need a new start. I know I'm talking to people in this room, maybe some there watching on the live stream, maybe others listening by radio this morning, and your life is a real mess. You need a new start. Well, this morning, here's what I want to preach on. I want to preach on this thought, a new heart for your new start. You see, the truth of the matter is, if you're going to have any type of change in your life, and that change is going to amount to anything, if it's going to be lasting change, it has to come from the heart. It cannot start with the outside. It can't, watch. It cannot start with your habits. It cannot start with your hangouts. It has to start with your heart. So if you're going to get a new start, you're going to need a new heart. Now, really, that's what our text is all about this morning. In Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 7, what we have here is a text about the problem of the heart. So let me begin now. Mark, chapter 7, if you don't have a Bible, you can look up on the screens this morning. But I want to begin with verse 14. Mark chapter 7, verse 14, and let's read this together. The Bible said, verse 14, And when he, when Jesus, 
hath called all the people unto him, he said unto them. Now notice what he said. Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. Now I got to tell you, when Jesus looked at this crowd this day and he said, now look, every one of you really needs to listen to me. Well, I'm telling you, this is important indeed. I mean, what Jesus is about to say is life-changing. So he says, okay, the words that I'd like to say to you, now sit up this morning. Hey, cut your cell phone off just a few minutes. Don't be playing games. Don't be emailing anybody across the, not emailing, but texting across the church saying, when is he going to shut up? I want you to listen this morning. Hearken, Jesus said, unto me. Look at verse 15. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of man, those are the things that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now look at verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Now, I just read those verses. Probably some of you thought, what in the world does that have to do with me? Well, when they got into the house, the, the disciples of the Lord said, Jesus, we've got to ask you something. That stuff that you just said a moment ago about nothing from without can defile the man, but that which is from the end. Uh, Jesus, what in the world does that mean? Aren't you glad they asked that? Because beginning in verse 18, Jesus said, okay, Here's what I'm talking about. Look at verse 18. And he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drought, purging all meats. And he said unto them, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within... Now read these next four words. Out of the, the heart. You know what Jesus said? It's not that which is on the outside that troubles people. It's that which is on the inside. That's where the problem is. Jesus said in verse number 21, For from without, out of the heart of men, here's the problems, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from where? Within and defile the man. Look at me. You're going to need a new heart before you can get a new start. It must start within the heart. So here's what I want to do this morning. If you'll join me in this text, I'd like to say three things about getting a new start this morning from this text. As we all began 274 hours and, and, uh, and uh, uh, how many minutes are we in? 12 minutes, 42 minutes into this brand new year. I'm telling you, if you're going to get a new start, you're going to have to receive a new Heart. Let's look at three things. First of all, I want to talk, number one, about the popularity, the popularity of the outside. The popularity of the outside. Now, the reason that we have this in our Bible is because, and, and Jesus is dealing with the heart of mankind, the reason this is in our Bible is because, is because of an accusation that has been brought against the Lord and his disciples. You see, uh, 
there was a group of people, religious people that got together and they bring an accusation against the Lord and his disciples that has to do, of all things, with dirty hands. I mean, the whole reason that Jesus is dealing with this text this morning and speaking these words is because there's some religious people that's got upset with the Lord's people because they are eating and they hadn't washed their hands. You see, these people thought that the Lord's disciples were the original members of the Dirty Dozen. That's right. They thought, they thought, because the Lord's people didn't wash their hands, that they had sinned against the Lord. Now, I want to stop and say this. We're in the middle of flu season, are we not? I mean, some of y'all are sitting in here this morning probably burning up with a fever and you're hacking and a gagging and you wiping your nose and your sinuses feel like your, your head's about to bust and maybe you've got the flu. I'm telling you, we're in the middle of flu season. It is important for you to wash your hands. It really is. I don't want to do away with that every time I go to the hospital. And it's not because I think our people are dirty, but I just know hospitals are environments for breeding germs and so forth. So when I go to the hospital before I ever leave, most of the time when I go from room to room, I stop and wash my hands. But before I leave the hospital, one thing that I do is i got to stop and wash my hands. You know why? I want to try to stay healthy if I can. And you've got to, you must, there's nothing wrong with washing your hands. Did you realize in the days of the Civil War, now our country was embroiled in a bitter conflict known as the Civil War. Did you realize that 620,000 American people lost their lives in the Civil War? That's right. And let me tell you this, I read this this week, 360,000 of them were from the North, 250. 60,000 of them were from the south. You do the math, do all that together. 620,000 people lost their lives in the days of the Civil War. But actually, only 204,000 of that 620,000 died from battle wounds. That's right. Only 204,000 of 620,000 died actually from the battle. You may tell what the rest of them died from? From disease because the doctors didn't wash their hands. You see, these, these, uh, uh, these doctors were working in very primitive conditions. They set up hospitals and church buildings and schools and other types of even barns, and things were very unsanitary. And these doctors who were trying to save the lives of these young men that were being wounded in battle were going from person to person without ever stopping to wash their hands or wash their, in, their utensils. And so infection spread from person to person, gangrene from person to person, simply because they didn't wash their hands. Can I tell you something? By the way, they didn't do that on purpose, and I get that. It, it's, they didn't understand the concept back in those days, but a lot of lives could have been saved by just washing their hands. Now, when you go to the hospital today, one thing you better hope that they do is clean those utensils. One thing you better know those doctors do is spend hours and hours scrubbing up, making sure there's no germs and, and uh, anything that can spread infectious things to you during surgery. They try to be careful about that. Over at Forsyth Hospital, I don't know if you've been over there recently, but they're, they're using a, a new disinfectant at Forsyth Hospital that smells like pickles. So when you walk in the hospital, you say, man, that's dill pickles. That's disinfectant that they're using over there now. I know all these things because I'm over there every day of my life. I'll give you the name where to buy that if you want to after church. But I simply said all that to say this. 
it's important for you to wash your hands. But what was going on in our text was not a matter of hygiene. It was a matter of ceremony. You see, these religious people back in those days were appalled that these disciples would actually eat without ceremonially washing their hands. Now, these disciples weren't eating without washing their hands, but they didn't do it like the religious crowd thought they ought to be doing it. They didn't ceremonially wash their hands. You see, these religious people back in the days of Jesus, before they did anything, they would constantly be in the habit of washing their hands. But there was a proper way your hands had to be washed. You had to hold your hands a certain way. Uh, you had to, you had to uh, uh, have somebody to pour water starting at your elbows running down. And then you had to take your knuckles and scrub a certain way on your hands. All of that was just a bunch of religious nonsense and yet they were so caught up with the outside that they forgot how important it was for the inside to be clean. You know, if we aren't careful in this day and age in which you and I are living in, we'll get that same idea about us that what matters most is what people see on the outside, so don't even worry about the inside. But I'm telling you, friend, it's not the outside that matters as much as getting the inside right. They were caught up with all of the stuff on the outside, the popularity. You know, pretty much today, still to this very day, people are caught up with what goes on on the outside. All across America this morning, preachers are going to stand in pulpits just like this pulpit right here, and they're going to tell people, hey, you've got to start doing better, but they're going to offer them absolutely no idea how they can do better. They'll tell them, hey, come join our church. Hey, get in our baptistry. Get cleaned up on the outside, and everything's going to be all right in your life. And I'm telling you, the problem's not with the outside. The problem's with the inside. It's not the dirtiness of the outside. That's an indication that there's dirtiness on the inside. Can I have an amen? The popularity of the outside. But I want to talk secondly about not only the popularity on the outside, but I want to talk about the problem with the inside. The popularity on the outside, oh, they were just fussing. They were up in arms. They were mad all up in the air because the Lord's disciples didn't wash their hands a certain way when their heart, that religious crowd's heart, was just as black as sin. They were caught up with the outside. Many people in our day are still caught up with the outside. So Jesus uses this accusation and this occasion to teach a great, great lesson. And the lesson that Jesus is going to teach is this. It's not your outside that's your problem. It's your inside. It is your, it's not your hands that's your problem. It is your heart. You know, to this, pretty much to this very day, our world still is all about the outside. I mean, you stop and think about that. You know, in our society today, people see all the, the problems that plague our society, and they say, okay, now, what we've got to do is we've got to change the outside. In other words, we've got to change the environment. If we can change the environments of people, if we can just change how they live and where they live, we'll fix the problems. We'll solve 
the problems. But Jesus in our text today, look at verse 15, makes it absolutely clear. It's not that which is on the outside, but it's that which is on the inside that's the problem. Look at verse 15. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things that come out of, the man, out of him, those are they that defile the man. Jesus makes it perfectly clear. Hey, your problem is not your outside. Your problem is your inside. Your problem is not your hands. Your problem is your heart. Now, I don't want you to get mad at me right here, and I probably am going to make some people mad, but that's not my intention. But can I get for just a moment very political for just a minute? But I'm using the Bible, so you say, man, that preaches all about politics. No, I'm not. I'm preaching the Bible this morning. I'm telling you the problem with mankind is not his environment, it's his heart. But our, our country, our politicians are notorious for dealing with stuff on the outside. You know, in other words, our government, they see kids that are involved in crime and in violence, and they say, here's what we've got to do. We've got to clean up their neighborhoods. We've got to give them a good home to live in. We've got to be sure they have plenty to eat, and let's get them educated, and everything will be okay. What's the results? Here's the results. We're turning out well-fed, well-educated, well-housed, Violent criminals. Why? I'll tell you why. The problem's not on the outside. The problem's with the heart. We see all the shootings going on in our world today. And by the way, can I stop and say that my heart goes out to any family that's lost a little innocent child playing in the front yard because of some drive-by kind of a shooting. My heart goes out to those families. These people that are killed in these mass shootings when they're just shopping in malls or sitting, as the case may be, in churches. I'm here to tell you, that is sad, that is pitiful, that is tragic. But when are we going to wake up in America and understand the problem in America is not with guns? The problem in America is with the heart of mankind. Listen, you can take every gun away from every American in, in the United States, dig a big old hole, dump them all in there, pour concrete over the top of it, and do away with all guns. But until you get a man changed in his heart, he'll pick up a rock, he'll get a knife, he'll get a stick, he'll make a bomb, he'll do something to kill somebody else. You know why? I'll tell you why. You've got to change his heart. You can't change his outside. Hey, what about this? We see our prisons overcrowded in our day. We say the thing we've got to do is rehabilitate people. Hey, let's reform them. Let me just say, I'm not against that. Hey, give them a trade. Hey, teach them to do better. Teach them there is a better way to life. But ladies and gentlemen, when are we going to wake up and realize the answers of the problems that plague our society today is not legislation. It's not education. It's not rehabilitation. It's not elimination. It's not reformation. You can't change a man from the outside. The problem is not on the outside. The problem is with the heart. You need a new start? You got to get a new heart. Let me illustrate what I'm trying to say this morning. You remember when we, and I don't remember this much, but I do remember when you used to go to somebody's house and they had one of these old-fashioned hand pumps that they got the well out of the water out of the well from. Now, most of my day, we had really gotten moved up in the world when I was a child because they had buckets with a rope attached around them, and they dropped them down into the well, and they rolled it up like this. 
But there were those days in the past when they had those old-fashioned hand pumps. Well, let's just suppose that there's one somewhere, and you and I are about to thirst for a drink of water. And we go there, and, and, uh, and we start grab that thing by the handle, and we start pumping that thing over and over again, and out comes water, all right. It's, it's water comes out of it, but it's muddy. When we look in the bucket of the water that we've drawn, it's little stuff swimming around in there, little cooties, little worms swimming around in there. And I mean, they're just going everywhere. Are you going to drink that water? I'm not, and you're not either. We're not going to drink dirty water with cooties swimming in it. We're not going to do that. So we say, we've got to have a drink of water, though. So I'll tell you what, we've got a problem here, so let's do this. Let's paint this old handle on this pump. And if we paint this handle, we'll clean the water up. Now, will that clean the water up? The problem's not with the handle. The problem's down in the well. And the problem that you and I face in life, the reason that our life gets off tracks, the reason that we get involved in things that we should never be involved in, the reason that we, uh, we find ourselves sitting in places we never dreamed that we'd be sitting in is because the problem is not with the handle. The problem is down in the heart. You see, Jesus spoke about the popularity of the outside. Everybody wants to clean everybody up on the outside. Jesus spoke secondly about the problem with the heart. The problem is the heart. But I want to close by just talking about this, the person for the flip side. You see, the truth of the matter is Jesus is the only one who can permanently, and I might add instantly, change the heart. You see, I said a moment ago what people need or don't need. They don't need education, rehabilitation, reformation, legislation, elimination. That's not going to get the job done. We've tried all of that. That's not getting the job done. Can I tell you what people need? People need salvation. Because only salvation, only Jesus can change the heart. And when you get the heart changed, you get the habits changed. And when you get the heart and the habits changed, you get the hangouts changed. And it all begins with the heart. Can I show you what God said about giving people new hearts? I want you to look up here on the screen, and it's the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, instead of 26. Chapter 36, verse 26, the Bible said this, a new heart, a new heart. Also will I give you. Hey, you know what you need? You need a new heart. And God said, hey, I got one for you. I'll give it to you. And a new spirit I'll put within you. I'll take away the stony heart. That old heart's been causing you problems. That heart that's leading you, that sinful heart full of sinful desires that's leading you to make bad decisions and wrong choices in your life, I'll take that one out of you and I'll give you a new heart. And I'll not only stop there, but I'll give you a new spirit on the inside. I'll give you a heart. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, watch this now, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my... God will so change your life He'll not only give you a new heart, He'll give you a new spirit. God will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will cause you to begin to walk in a different way. You'll walk differently. You'll talk differently. You'll wind up living differently. But it all starts with a new heart. In other words, what I'm trying to suggest to you this morning is this. Man doesn't need a boost from beneath. He needs a birth from above. 
And if you're sitting here in this service today and you say, Preacher, I am sick and tired of my life. I, every year I try to make changes. I know, I sense the need in my life for some changes. This alcohol is taking me down a road that there's no return. These drugs are ruining my life. This immoral relationship is carrying me to a place I don't need to go. I've got some things I have got to quit, but I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Why don't you try Jesus this morning? He and He alone can give you a new heart for a new start. Anything that you and I try to do as a government, as a nation, anything that we try to do outwardly to change mankind amounts to nothing more than rearranging the deck furniture on the sinking Titanic. What if that thing hit that iceberg back on 1912, April the whatever, 24th, 23rd, that crazy thing hit that iceberg and, I mean, ripped a hole in the side of that ship. And that thing started, you know, it started list, listing th this way. What if somebody said, hey, what are we going to do? And he said, I'll tell you, let's take all the furniture from this side of the ship and let's move it to this side of the ship. Is that going to keep that crazy thing from sinking? No, sir. Hey, I'll tell you what, the only thing would have kept that thing from sinking if somebody put some over them holes. Am I right? And anything that you and I try to do to change ourselves uh, in ourselves, in our power, I mean, all we're doing is rearranging the deck furniture on the sinking Titanic. We need Jesus. <laughs> is there anything more disappointing than on Christmas morning to open your presents? Especially when you're a child. Is there anything any more disappointing on Christmas morning to open your presents to find the toy that you've been wanting only to turn it over to the back and it says this, double A batteries required. <laughs> Is that not frustrating? Have you ever had that bitter experience in your life before? And you look at your mama, your daddy, whoever got you the toy, whatever, and you say to them, batteries? Oh, my goodness. We forgot the batteries. My wife is great when we buy toys from the, the children uh, for my three kids that are in their 30s now, we buy them toys for Christmas. And <laughs> I'm kidding. But for the grandchildren now, one of the things that when we buy them a toy for birthday, Christmas, or just whenever, I mean, the one thing we always look at, does it need batteries? Because it's nothing more discouraging <laughs> than to wake up. Find this toy. It's wonderful. Four C batteries required. Hey, Papa. Got any C batteries? I am so sorry. And you run out to the pantry on Christmas morning, and guess what? The batteries are gone. And for the whole day, I mean, there's that toy, but they can't play with it. You know why? It doesn't have any batteries. Now, look at me. It may, it may work a little bit. You know, if it's a truck, I mean, sure, they can get it and, and by their own power, roll it around and make it work. If it's a doll and it's supposed to, whatever dolls do, what do dolls do? Cry. If it's, if it's supposed to cry, I mean, she can play, move its arms, lift its legs up, change its clothes, but she can't wipe its tears, not till it gets some batteries in it. I mean, it may look good. That truck may look good, but you can get your little stick there and you can try to make it go if you want to. You can push it, but you can't make it go. You know why? 
Ain't got nothing on the inside. Ain't got no batteries. Excuse my language. Ain't got no batteries on the inside. It's got to have some power if it's going to do what it's supposed to do. It may look good. It may roll. It may move its legs. You can change its clothes. You can do any of that. But until you unscrew the back and stick some power in that thing, it ain't going to be able to do what it's supposed to do. Can I have an amen? Well, buddy, I want to tell you something. If you'll come to Jesus this morning, He'll take that thing off your heart. He'll unscrew it. And He'll put the, a new heart in there. And He'll stick some Holy Ghost batteries in there. And He'll put the lid back on and screw it back down. And you can start living like you're supposed to. But any change that you try to enact without the power of God, friend, I'm telling you, it is not going to last. Amen. So if you want a new start, you need a new heart. And I'm glad that our Savior specializes in giving people brand new hearts. Amen. Amen. It's not your outside. It's not that. It's what's on the inside that's your problem. And the, what is it they say? At the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And Jesus can give you a new heart. I want you to bow your head with me, Father.